quantum computers sound like science fiction. They exploit some mind-bending ideas from quantum mechanics. For example, at any given moment, a particle can be in many different places, have many different energies, and be moving at many different speeds. A fully functioning quantum computer could complete calculations in a matter of seconds that would take a conventional computer millions of years to process. This could have big implications for tasks we assign computers today that could be really cumbersome. Say, modeling how pharmaceuticals might interact in the human body. I'm Mark Earhart, and this is Point of Discovery. Today on the show, quantum computers. When will they be a reality? What could they do? And do they have a dark side? Science fiction or not, quantum computers, at least very crude versions, are already here. Scientists at Google, Microsoft, IBM, and elsewhere are building and studying them. At this point, they're not very powerful. But Scott Aronson believes that in the next few years, one of these teams may achieve something called quantum supremacy, the first demonstration of a quantum computer doing something faster than a conventional computer. I went to see Aronson to find out more. No one would ever mistake me for an experimentalist, right? Or probably even let me into the lab because I'll, you know, I'll just break things, okay? Aronson is a theoretical computer scientist at the University of Texas at Austin and one of the world's leading experts on the theory underlying quantum computing. He and his students have developed a set of tasks that should theoretically be much easier for a quantum computer than a conventional computer. Experimentalists at Google and elsewhere plan to use these tasks to demonstrate quantum supremacy very soon. They're looking to us, basically, to tell them what tests do they have to pass before we're confident that they're seeing a quantum speed up, right? And so that's exactly what we're trying to tell them. The first machine that demonstrates quantum supremacy will still be far short of a universal quantum computer that you could use to solve any kind of problem. It will be more like the Wright Brothers' first airplane than the Apollo spacecraft that first took astronauts to the moon. Zero. All but I think it puts the entire discussion about building a quantum computer to do practical things onto a much, you know, a much uh, firmer footing, right? And uh, uh, it means, you know, that whole discussion can take place from a higher plane, right? So that's nice, but it's basically showing that a quantum computer can do one not very useful task really well. So how long until we have a computer that can do something useful? There's an important point to make, which is that after quantum supremacy and before the universal quantum computer, there's a key, I think, intermediate step that we're very, very likely to see you know, in between them, and that is quantum simulators. Okay, in other words, quantum computers that are useful, so special purpose quantum computers, which are useful mainly for simulating quantum systems. That sounds pretty abstract, but those simulations could help scientists do very concrete things, like find better drugs to treat cancer or HIV, develop more efficient solar cells, or reconstruct the evolution of the universe right after the Big Bang. 
So it opens up a whole new window into, you know, chemistry, uh, material science, pharmaceuticals, um, high energy physics, also understanding the early universe. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, 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 that that's actually a very, very large part of the, the practical promise of quantum computing. If everything goes well, Aronson says we might not have to wait very long for computers that can tackle these kinds of problems. That sounds pretty good. But is there a downside? I've read that at some point, quantum computers will be so powerful that they can crack the encryption system we use to protect everything from online credit card purchases to medical records to private messages between friends and family. With a conventional computer, cracking the keys that are used to encrypt data on the internet is virtually impossible. But... If, if someone builds a quantum computer, then you can break the cryptography that we use on the internet today. It kind of feels like there's an alarm clock ticking, only we don't know what time it's set to go off. So I asked Aronson when he thinks quantum computers may be powerful enough to break our strongest encryption. In order to be doing it, you know, you need, uh, uh, you need a lot of error correction. And, and that, that pushes it out technologically to, you know, conceivably to, you know, to decades in the future. The reason you need good error correction is that qubits, the little components that store information and make calculations in a quantum computer, are extremely fragile. Even the tiniest interactions with the surrounding environment, such as heat or electromagnetic radiation, can cause a qubit to malfunction. And the more qubits you have, the more sensitive the computer is to errors. Aronson says biology suggests one possible way to protect information from these errors. Well, you know, it's kind of like your body. Each of the individual cells is like dying on some scale, right, getting replaced. The individual molecules are coming out, new molecules are coming in, and yet somehow, you know, the person remains. He says, instead of storing a single piece of information in just one qubit, you could divide up that information over several qubits. Uh, it's encoded in a way where, you know, any any 1% of the qubits could be lost, and the stuff that we care about will still be there and recoverable in the other 99%. Okay, that's the real vision of, of quantum error correction. So that's the challenge. Make a system with enough qubits to do something useful perhaps a hundred or more, yet keep errors down to a low but manageable level. Aronson thinks that may still be decades away. So for now, there's no need to worry about the encryption systems we use to protect our credit cards online, although scientists are already beginning to look into new, stronger ways to encrypt data in a post-quantum world. And in the meantime, we might start seeing some of the positive results of quantum simulators in just a few years. Point of Discovery is a production of the University of Texas at Austin's College of Natural Sciences. We're on the web at pointofdiscovery.org. Christine Sinatra is our senior editor. I'm your host and producer, Mark Earhart. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.